0: this episode of the Big Dudes in the Trenches podcast off with a little poem. Roses are red, violets are blue. Sometimes it don't be like that.
1: Sometimes it do. These that are was... the tru- truest facts that have ever been spoken on this podcast.
0: These be the oh, very that be haps beautiful. that happened in great exactness. <laughs> in other news uh apparently ben over here has never tried a pecan pie in his life that needed to be said publicly that will also be remedied next week i've ordered him a pecan pie
2: <laughs> <laughs> i think the most exciting thing that we're looking over here is that on monday when we recorded our episode early in the week i was watching my team and tonight on thursday tug is watching his team i think it's the first time this has happened in one week at least
0: I believe you're right, but we're going to do our best to ignore that as much as possible because the Dolphins are going to make Tug very sad. So we're going to get on to some news that hopefully will make Tug less sad.
1: Please, (laughs) please do, because the Dolphins are trying to get my hopes up, and I'm trying not to let them.
2: But hey, now that you can't blow a lead if you never had it in the first place. But we have one.
1: We have one right now. In halftime, we have one.
0: That's got to be scary for you. Yes, (laughs) Yes, <laughs> We have some very exciting signings going on right now, especially Cam Newton back to the Carolina Panthers. Unreal. Never dreamed this would happen. Also makes total sense. Yeah, because Sam Darnold's out. Also signed Matt Barkley to be <laughs> back up there. Uh, I guess PJ Walker time is over, though. You got to think.
1: No, not not yet. It's not over yet. He is starting this weekend.
2: Yeah, basically, they just didn't have enough time to get uh, to get Cameron Newton there ready to play. So we will be seeing P.J. Walker again this week.
0: I don't know if I've ever st- told this story on the podcast, so I'm going to tell it again. I've met Cam Newton one time in Washington, D.C., and he handed my friend a dollar. So that was
2: exciting. Uh, That sounds about like what I'd expect out of a Cam Newton story.
1: I'm surprised Cam Newton had a single in his pocket.
0: Well, what happened was she went to go pay for a bottle of soda, and it was a dollar, and her dollar ripped as she was pulling out of her wallet. So Cam Newton was like, I got you, and then just gave her a dollar.
3: (laughs) It's cool. Good times.
1: So Cam Newton gave a female a single? I'm just going to leave it at that. High school female, too. Oh, oh.
2: Oh, God. Let's (laughs) move on, please. (laughs)
0: Let's talk about (laughs) Ben's favorite quarterback in the league, Aaron Rodgers, for a second here. Uh, Some big fines coming down for both the organization and for him with this whole non-vaccinated debacle going on with whatever. Apparently, the Packers didn't do enough as an institution, and... Aaron Rodgers didn't do enough as an individual to make sure that they were compliant with league rules. Now, I personally think it makes total sense to find the guy. He lied to the organization. I don't know how much they should have done. I guess this is just saying you need to be on top of everybody with this rule. You need to be getting your own people to administer the vaccines if you have to. We need everybody to be vaccinated, I guess.
1: So I have two things. One is related. One is unrelated. Why are the Packers not been docked a draft pick like every other team that's violated COVID pro- protocols? That that's the related topic. The unrelated topic is fun fact: Jacoby Brissett is now down and injured uh, in the Miami Baltimore game. Two is coming at... back. <laughs> I can only hope because he was dressed last weekend. So, <laughs> yeah, he was, maybe, he,
2: even, maybe even he's last dressed week, again. Even last week, he was dressed and ready to go in an emergency situation. So, unless there's another quarterback on the Dolphins roster, he should be coming in.
1: We had some, have uh... Now, Reed Sinek got signed after we pa- called him up and then tried to put him back on the P squad. Somebody else signed him. So, we have another P squad quarterback, but that doesn't help us today. Don't
0: you guys always have some rotational – Former Western Kentucky guy at third string.
1: Yeah, but now they're usually on the practice squad, which
0: is the issue I'm in. That is unfortunate. But let's go ahead and talk about this. Was this kind well, of? Well,
2: hold on. I got okay. something to say about this whole Aaron Rodgers business. All
0: right, I'm sorry.
2: For one, I agree. He should definitely be getting fined more. I I saw something the other or earlier today that. His fourteen thousand dollar fine is essentially like if you or I got fined thirty three dollars, based on how much money he makes per game and so on. I mean, I personally <laughs>
0: would still feel
2: that. <laughs> I would still be i I'd be probably pissed, but like it's not an impact, and it's not really. It's not anything more than a slap on a, on the wrist to Aaron Rodgers, honestly, and I don't mind so much that they're not you know, suspending him or anything like that. I don't really care about that. My issue is kind of like what you guys said. He didn't disclose all of his health information, medical information to the Green Bay Packers. And they're getting slammed for $330,000. And, oh, by the way, they're getting slammed for that. But all these other teams also had to give up picks. And I haven't seen anything about that happening to the Packers yet either.
0: So, I, you know, Tug brought that up as well. I would say the difference there, to me, I guess that's kind of the the balance. Packers should have done more, but they didn't know that they were non-compliant, right? So where the other organizations knew they were non-compliant, they get docked money and picks. Packers didn't know it's only a fine.
2: Well, and I get that too, but I just... I don't understand why you would fine them and do nothing out like if they don't know what can they really do? I don't even feel like a fine is justified. I think if anybody should be held accountable it should be solely on Aaron Rodgers. Because it's pretty well what... documented what he did to cut start him, him god him I mean
1: that'd be <laughs> awesome. But Ben Ben what you're saying is kind of where I'm at too is if you're not going to dock them picks how can you dock them money? because they didn't do enough. This this isn't the SAT, not what is the more correct answer. This is real life here. If the dude lied to you, the dude lied to you. He's the one responsible, not the team.
0: I mean, yeah, but it's also a business. And if they have an opportunity to make more money, they're going to. So, Or take money from
2: somebody, they're going to. Which is what they did. So, happens. And it's also Roger, Goodell, which is why another reason why I have a huge issue with this.
0: The rod god himself. (laughs) Um,
3: I'm sorry.
2: He is the throat
3: goat. No, that's Joe Biden. Oh, God. (laughs) I don't think you can say that.
1: He can. You and I can't.
3: That's fair.
0: Anywho. So this is a little bit out of order. Originally, we had a segment about Odell Beckham Jr. getting cut and then clearing waivers, but he signed a little bit ago, as of time of recording this, to the Los Angeles Rams. So, another big signing. What is he going to be, though, like their third receiver?
1: I don't care. I'm so happy. I traded... With you earlier in the season in fantasy, I got OBJ. Now OBJ has a Matt Stafford that's playing off the charts. Does every anybody else remember OBJ with Megatron? Or not OBJ? Uh, Matt Stafford with Megatron.
0: I mean, that was like for one or two seasons, right?
1: I don't care. Now I get that one season with OBJ, and I'm happy.
2: <laughs> I don't Maybe, see but how that. Yeah, I don't see how it's actually Super Cup still though. your number one guy. And Cooper OBJ's Cup is
0: be fighting for that, like I mean maybe
2: I, even fucking fourth, honestly. Because Van Jefferson's been great. Right. Bobby Tree's been great. Like
1: you guys are right that it still remains to be seen, but OBJ really is that deep threat, aggressive catch kind of guy, physical wide receiver that Megatron was. Cooper Cup is a fantastic speedster and underneath guy that makes plays in the open field. OBJ is just gonna make plays. I'm interested to see where this goes, but I think I have more of a chance of upside with OBJ on the Rams than I did with him on the Browns.
0: I mean, that's fair. I mean, Stafford is going to throw the ball deeper than Baker Mayfield usually. Also, just play design. They're going to be designed to run deeper with the Rams than they were in Cleveland. But at the same time, I don't know that Odell Beckham really has been all that great last couple of seasons anyway regardless of whether Baker's throwing him the ball or not, as his dad would say. So it he's fine. He's a good receiver still. And it yes, this does make the Rams offense even a little bit better. But I don't think he's like a game breaker at this point. And it makes sense that he's probably going to be signing for like veteran minimum. We don't have the details on that contract yet, so I don't know.
1: What would be kind of crazy here is if he signed a longer-than-one-year contract. I don't expect that right now. I expect his contract to still expire at the end of the season, but if he found one that is a multi-year contract and the Rams gave it to him, that's what's going to make this interesting. I
0: don't know if they can afford that, but, you know.
2: I think that's why they're able to afford him right now is because they did just have to sign him to a vet minimum. The only way they could possibly afford him long term is if it was backloaded. But even then, after signing Vaughn Miller as well, it's got to be getting tight on cap space in LA. I'm going to be saying St. Louis forever, too. I
0: know. I'm still going to be saying Oakland, I'm sure, several years from now as well. For the Raiders, uh, it happens. For San Diego, even. I've said that this year. <laughs> I have to. A couple more signings to talk about here. Wyatt Teller and Joel Batonio, both guards for the Cleveland Browns, signed huge extensions here. Wyatt Teller gets a four-year, $56.8 million extension. Batonio gets a three-year, $48 million extension. Interesting fact here, and before we even get to that, let's just say the Browns have been the best offensive line in the NFL this season. I'd say that's pretty fair to say. They were at least in the top three offensive lines in the country last year as well. These guys are good at football. But it's also interesting to me that Joel Batonio is the longest tenured member of the Cleveland Browns now. Second round pick in 2014. That's, that seems wild. They had so many top of the first round picks for like two decades. And just none of them worked until they ended up getting Miles Garrett and Baker Mayfield and Denzel Ward back-to-back years. That was 2017, 2018. So Joel Batonio has been there even a couple years longer than those guys. That's just wild, wild to me that, you know, your left guard is your longest tenured member.
1: That, honestly, is how you change a culture in a team like 100% honest, they had a losing culture in there. Joel Batonio was nowhere near the cause of that, which is why he's still here. But the fact that basically everybody on that 2014-2015 team is gone, that's, that's outstanding um, in how you correct a franchise that was in the issues that they were having.
3: Yeah, you got to remember they were – one and 15 in 2016 and then
0: oh and 16 in 2017 so basically all of those guys are gone yeah (laughs) really wild really wild to me uh but we do have some non-nfl pro news here and this is bugs segment and this is some big news for bug personally too let's let's hand it over what do you got man
2: yeah, you know, I'm pretty excited. Uh, we talked about the FCF Fan Council, feels like months ago, and I put all my stuff in, been waiting, it was at least a month and a half ago at this point, when they said, hey, you know, keep an eye on emails, we're making our decisions here soon. <clears throat> and then uh, it was just yesterday, actually, Wednesday, uh, at time of recording, that uh, I got the email. I've been selected for the FCF Fan Council. There's not a ton that's going on just yet. I'm sure it'll start to kick off as we get closer to January, February, March, when the FCF Season 2.0 is going to be kicking off. Uh, Mostly going to be doing surveys, providing feedback. And, uh, you know, one of the things that is going on right now, they're actually just finishing it, is the uh, Fallers Collective NFTs. To be able to vote for that, it's you're voting for the logo, logo sorry, uh, for the Ballers Collective. And to be able to do that, you need to join the FCF Discord. And I don't have the link on me right now. And even if I did, it's probably too long to read. If you've ever used Discord, they've got the, the weird links there. But just go, go to fcf.io and you should be able to find the link to the Discord there. And we'll even try and drop it down in our description below. I was
1: just gonna I was just gonna say, Ben, if you can get me that before tomorrow, I will drop it in the description below.
2: Yeah, but that's about all we got for non-NFL Pro News right now. Uh, at least about anything that we've talked about at length in the past. Only other story, if anybody cares, is that the ELF European League football. That we've you know we've mentioned in passing before. It is doubling in size this upcoming year. And uh that's that's pretty big, especially with some of the uh stories and speculation, and maybe it's less speculation and rumors and more uh, more reality to it about the NFL expanding to London. I know we didn't really talk about it in our news segment, but there's uh some somewhat credible sources out there saying that. Toronto, London, San Antonio, and St. Louis are the next four are the four cities that the NFL is looking for for expansion, and uh, with the ELF having enough success to want to expand by four or six teams, I can't exactly remember. Uh, I think it's safe to say that the game's growing, and that's always a good thing.
3: That's pretty wild.
0: The NFL is having some credible talks of expansion that sizable right adding four teams at once feels wild to and me
2: and I, I think i, I want to quote, get some
0: more sources on that before we really dive into what that would mean though you know
2: yeah and, and i don't want to i don't want to sit here and say too much without there being a ton of confirmation to it but the same source said the league wants to get to uh 18 games and 36 teams, which would make sense with a four-team expansion. But yeah. again, we're uh, we're still very very early on in this, so I don't know to say one way or another how credible any of this is.
1: So a couple things I want to put in. It's been fairly well documented that the owners want an 18-game season. The issue has been the Players Association, invalidly. so. I'm not taking anything away from that. So the 18-game season makes sense to me. Um, and then honestly, if they really are trying to go back to St. Louis, which really isn't that big of a market for football, it's surrounded by a bunch of other markets, which kind of limit it. Sounds like the way of the NFL trying to, uh, appease the city of St. Louis through this entire legal battle they're going through.
0: I would agree with you, but again, we don't have much detail on that. I don't want to spend... A lot of time on some, you know, sourced speculation, but speculation nonetheless. I say let's go ahead and move on to some college news here. Uh, first up, Grayson McCall is done for the season. Huge loss for Coastal Carolina. They're, they're going to have a senior step in at quarterback. Problem is that guy lost his job to the true freshman, Grayson McCall, last year. So you lose your starting signal caller. It's always going to be a bad time. The Chanticleers were, you know, fighting to stay around the top 25. I don't think the committee has treated them all that fairly, but, you know, they hate Group of Five teams in general, so it is what it is. They were still squarely in the race for the Sun Belt, still are, really. So it's going to be interesting to see how Bryce Carpenter can do at the quarterback spot for them. But Grayson McCall going
3: down certainly hurts the Chanticleers' chances.
2: That's the great thing about college football, though, right, is it's next man up, and more so you never know what you're going to get in college than in the NFL. The NFL, guys like Mike White are not the norm, and they're also not really ever expected. It's more of a hope and a prayer when you have your backup go in that they'll do well. College, I feel like there's a better chance for success just because,
1: I don't know, talent gap, something, I don't know. Well, There's hope here because he was formerly the starting quarterback. He had the job. It's not like some true freshman coming in and experienced in the situation. He has an idea. He might not be as talented, but at least he can manage a game.
0: Certainly fair, and the shots Clears are pretty good at running the football, so their main threat is McCall to that tight end, likely. But, you know, backup quarterbacks can throw to tight ends as well. We'll see what happens there. Let's talk about some... Big time coaching moves though. Northern Illinois has just extended Thomas Hammock through 2026. This move is wild to me. I understand Northern Illinois is currently 6-3. They currently have the lead in the Mac West. Here's the problem though. Thomas Hammock went winless last year, only had one win the year before. Like you can I wouldn't have given him the extension just yet, is all I'm saying. I would have wanted to see if he can actually continue this. If this is a one-year fluke, Northern Illinois is going to look really silly.
1: My only caveat to that is the one win uh, in 2019, that's that's telling. I was going to give him a pass on the 2020 winless season. That's. I'm pretty much going to give everybody a pass on the 2020 season at this point.
0: Um, that's kind that's... of fair, but we've already seen a lot of schools not do that. Right. So I'm just surprised that Northern Illinois is. And like I said, I would just I would just want to see some continuation of success.
2: This right. is, is this his third year there? Period daughter?
0: not in total. He was a quarterback there as well. Well <laughs> but third yes, year coach. I, I believe I believe so. Third year is head coach.
2: I mean makes sense. First year. One win, not your guys, not your team second year, still not fully your team and throwing COVID. And then this year, his guys are there, everything's getting clicking. Here's the
0: I don't thing. Know. Again, I totally agree with you. I'm just saying I would want to see another year of this.
1: <laughs> yeah, but but Doug, I think you're you're forgetting one thing. I know it's not as big of a school as Nebraska or as Michigan, but you already said he played quarterback there, right? right when you keep pulling in an alum and schools typically tend to give them a longer leash and and give them a little bit of uh good faith uh going into it rather than waiting and seeing and firing them after three seasons or even just letting their regular contract run out after the initial contract with him being an alum even if he wasn't like the greatest quarterback in northern illinois history i oh i i can see it i can see it
0: I guess I just disagree with that philosophy. Is all. I. Oh, I disagree with I it, guess, it too. But,
1: I disagree with it too, but I I understand where it's coming from. Someone to make the argument.
0: Other head coaching news: Jim Mora signs with University of Connecticut. Okay, uh, he went forty six and thirty at UCLA, got fired at the end of twenty seventeen. Has worked at ESPN ever since. So. I guess if you want to get back into coaching, you have to sign up for a terrible
1: job like UConn. I'll see what he can do. The, he does bring a name with him, whether it's good or bad remains to be seen. But, but honestly, the Northeast really struggles to hire these big-name coaches anyway. So honestly, for UConn, this is probably a win, even if it's a, a going to be a work in progress.
0: I mean, I guess the fact that we're talking about UConn football is better than they have been doing in the last couple of
2: years. (laughs) We're talking about them and not talking about how awful they currently are. That's a win for UConn football. Big facts.
3: But let's
0: end on a positive note here. Barry Sanders is being added as the second member of the Oklahoma State Ring of Honor. Also going to get a statue of Barry Sanders. That's pretty awesome. Love to see that happening. You know, Oklahoma State has had some incredible teams. Those Barry Sanders teams probably up there with the best of all time for that school.
2: And Barry Sanders had one of the best seasons in college football history at that running back position. So
1: There's a reason we're still talking about him, man. There's a reason he's still in our Heisman bracket. And he's in a matchup today. Not today. Later this week. Or is it? It is today. (laughs) I I, I made the polls. I know it was today. (laughs) I made them on Instagram, but I ran into issues with that.
0: Anyway, we will have bracket time later in this episode, but we got to talk about some games coming up this weekend before we get there. Let's go ahead and dive into these previews. Let's get rolling here with college games to watch. I'll start us off, I guess. I got Minnesota at Iowa this weekend. Pretty interesting matchup. For the implications of the Big Ten Conference title race, really any of four teams out West can make the Big Ten title game. Minnesota and Iowa are two of those teams, Wisconsin and Purdue being the others, but it's going to take somebody to win out and really stake a claim as being the best out West or anybody out there to really stand out, head and shoulders above the rest. Minnesota and Iowa... Both feels like they need to win this game to really stay relevant, and they need to demonstrate they have staying power on the west with the bigger dogs of the conference. This is a very strong middleweight fight to me. It should be very
1: interesting. Love how you described it as middleweight here. I'll jump in next, guys. This has massive implications, honestly cannot o- understate how big these implications are for the ACC championship game. And honestly, Buck, you've been calling it since what about week six that the uh, ACC champion will have two losses. Well, for that to happen, you need to wait for us to lose at least one more game. Uh, and then everybody in the ACC will have two losses. So this is going to be a big game for that too. Uh, it's going to be a very entertaining game. It's going to be a tough game. It's going to be a close game. Uh, It's going to be a fun one to watch.
2: All right, so my game is the battle for the Golden Boot, Arkansas at LSU. Uh, That big Golden Boot trophy that is just uh, a sheet of metal (laughs) of the uh, states of Arkansas and Louisiana on top of each other. Really cool rivalry. Trophy is only about 10 years old. I love that they added that to this rivalry. Arkansas is pretty good, and uh, I'm not saying LSU has quit on Ed Orgeron, but this is barely Ed Orgeron's team anymore, and that doesn't bode well, especially going into a rivalry game. So I guess I'll lead us straight into our picks here. Even though LSU is at home for this rivalry, I think Arkansas is just that much of a better team. I'm going with the Razorbacks here. For Minnesota versus Iowa, I just don't trust Iowa's offense. After I saw what happened against Purdue, and the only Minnesota game I've seen is Minnesota versus Ohio State, and I understand that Ohio State's offense has gotten better, but Minnesota was still able to shut down that offense of four- and five-star talent most of the night. This last game, I have Wake Forest written down here. I I think I'm going to use the opposite logic that I had with Arkansas and LSU. I am going to take the home team here, especially coming off a loss, their first loss of the season last week. I think they're going to come out angry. I do expect North Carolina State to be the more physical team. But again, I think being at home is going to give Wake Forest a little bit extra to make sure that they get this one done.
0: I'm going hogs and demon deacons as well. I'm going to take Iowa though for basically the opposite reason. You know, I don't trust Minnesota's offense and I have seen Iowa rise to the occasion in a couple of big time games. I know they got you know destroyed against Purdue. I know they haven't looked good in their other losses either. But at the same time, when they're playing somebody, they know they have to show up, show out. They have done that. I mean, they did beat Penn State at home. That was a top-five matchup at the time. So, yes, Iowa's a little bit inconsistent. Minnesota is still without their best running back. Got injured in that week one game against Ohio State. And Tanner Morgan has never shown me anything in his career to make me believe in him as a productive, consistent quarterback. I'm going to take Iowa at home.
1: I'm glad we all agree on the pigs. Um, I honestly I can't pick against Arkansas right now, even with as good as, not even as good, with as bad as LA, uh Alabama looked last week that made LSU look good. I'm still going to take Arkansas on this one. Uh, ben, I'm with you. I'm going to go ahead and take the Gophers in this, and I have no justifiable justifiable reason for it other than my gut <laughs> is telling me to go with the Gophers. I don't know what it is. Um, I'm not gonna lie to everybody and say, hey, this, you know, profound reasoning is why the gophers are gonna win. I have a gut feeling it's gonna be the gophers on this one. Uh and then guys, I'm gonna I'm gonna disagree with you and I'm gonna lead us into our player picks here um with my final pick here as well. So I'm gonna go the Wolfpack on this. And my main concern for Wake Forest is they do not have a defense whatsoever. They've given up 50 plus points in two weeks straight. That is a massive concern for me. I cannot tell you how big of a concern that is for me, which also leads me to believe that they don't really have a pass rush, which also leads me into, Hey, what what's going on over there? My player watch. I'm not going to jump us into that. Cause I realized the way we set things up here. Um, is going to be one of the the blockers on NC State. I'll give you guys that little nugget of uh, freedom here, but uh, yeah, it's going to be a good matchup either way, but I'm going Wolfpack on this one.
0: See, it's interesting to me how much you're downplaying Wake Forest's defense, and yet you're not downplaying NC State's offense as much. If you look at our BDT trench ratings, which you can get some more details on this if you sign up at patreon.com slash BDT football, but you will find that Wake Forest's offense is about the 60th best in the country, according to our ratings. So is NC State's defense, about the 60th best in the country. Wake Forest's defense is about the 100th best in the country. NC State's offense is about the 100th best in the country. This is an incredibly even matchup, according to our ratings here. Wake Forest is ranked higher because... They only have one loss so far, but as far as production on the field, this is an incredibly tight matchup. To me, in that situation, you almost just have to take the home team and hope for the best.
1: I'm going to explain my difference of opinion a little bit later.
0: <laughs> Fair enough. Before we do that, let's jump into the bonus games. Um, there are too many good games to restrict ourselves. Only three every week in college football. You know how we do couple of ranked matchups here. Oklahoma at Baylor. The first, feels like the first real test for Oklahoma, but at the same time, every game has been close for them. So maybe every game is a real test for Oklahoma this season. Uh, <laughs> Purdue is heading to Ohio State. You know, if this were the other way around, and Ohio State we're going to West Lafayette, I'd be terrified, but it's in Columbus. So is what it is. They're still a top 20 matchup here. Purdue's playing very well this season. Jeff Brom is putting together one heck of a coaching performance in this total rebuild over the past four or five
1: years. I told you just before we recorded that if this was in West Lafayette, I was going to take this game as my game to watch. Texas
0: A&M at Ole Miss this weekend as well, another ranked matchup. There is an outside shot that Texas A&M makes the SEC title game. They would need Alabama to lose to Auburn, and they would need to win out. That starts here. So it's technically possible that we get a two-loss SEC team in the playoff and it's not Alabama should Texas A&M win out and upset Georgia. Scary thoughts.
1: There's a chance we get a two-loss SEC champion, and I will lose my mind over that.
0: (laughs) If that's Texas A&M as well, I will have no idea what to think anymore. Um, I also wanted to highlight Boston College at Georgia Tech this weekend. Phil Yurkovich is back for Boston College. If you saw them play last week, you will know that offense looked entirely different in the past few weeks. They were on a tear the first couple of games of the season, and he went down with a wrist injury. Coming back, this offense is going to look a lot better. I think Georgia Tech is currently favored in this one. Go ahead and get your bets in now because Boston College's offense is infinitely better than it was two weeks ago. Now that Phil Yurkovich is back, And that Georgia Tech team is playing pretty well. At the same time, man, I like Boston College. The story of Boston College has been pretty awesome to stay on top of. Some FCS games out to watch here as well. Eastern Kentucky at Sam Houston State. I mean, Sam Houston ought to destroy Eastern Kentucky. At the same time, the Colonels have been having a surprisingly good year. And... You know, if anybody can give them a run for their money, why not the Cinderella like they were themselves last year in the playoffs? Uh, Eastern Kentucky heading to what will soon be an FBS stadium. That's wild to think. Delaware at Richmond, not necessarily what you would think of as a powerhouse FCS matchup, but both teams have been playing pretty well in the last couple of games. They're trying to rev up into that you know conference title discussion <laughs> let's say I I don't think either team is really going to be competing for the overall national championship this year but this is probably a decent another like like Minnesota Iowa this is a probably a solid middleweight ballot for you in the FCS. Same with Chattanooga Mercer. Wanted to highlight this more than anything just because Mercer is currently on pace to make the FCS playoffs for the first time in school history this year if they keep winning. Chattanooga is going to be a pretty good test for them. Took Kentucky to the brink if they can do that with Mercer. I mean, that ought to be a pretty good game. And then Eastern Washington at UC Davis this weekend. Eric Barrier is back in action against a top-five team. UC Davis only one loss in the season. The Big Sky is shaping up to be just an incredible conference all around this season both montana schools have been doing pretty well eastern washington and uc davis all having great seasons we talk about the missouri valley quite a bit but big sky is having an incredible season as well
1: i can start us off now because i promised you guys i would get us into you know the players and i haven't really described who i'm going with yet so let me jump into that now All right, guys. I am going with Ikem Ekwanu, the offensive guard for NC State here. And this dude's been an absolute beast all season, absolute monster on the offensive line. Uh, the Athletic has, before the season, called him the most feared offensive lineman in the ACC. I don't have updated stats. I apologize. But what I could trace back is as of October 3rd, he allowed three pressures and zero sacks on 203 pass block attempts. Honestly, Wake Forest has a weak defense. We've already discussed this. Doug, you're you're telling me how NC State has a weak offense as well. I agree. But if they can't get any pressure, if they can't penetrate that line, if NC State can move the ball on the ground because they're running behind Equanu the entire game, that's going to be the difference in this game. I hate to put it on one offensive lineman, but somebody actually performing at the level that Aquanu is, is performing at can legitimately make a massive difference in a football game.
0: So here's the thing. Generally, I would agree with you, except he starts at right guard, and their starting left guard is out for the season as of last week. So the left side of the line's going to be wide open, and we have, again, a very even matchup. I will absolutely agree with you, though. This guy is a first-round guard all day, and... If if you don't take this guy in the first round, apparently you don't know what guards are supposed to look like. So absolutely a player to watch out for, and a, certainly a big dudes in the trenches special for us here. <laughs> I guess I'll go ahead and take my player to watch now. Boye Mafé, uh, outside... Kind of a stand up edge rusher at times for Minnesota. They have a multiple front system. So, not necessarily a hand in the dirt edge rusher, but more of that, think of it like a Von Miller type role out in Denver most of the time. 6'4, 265. I guess maybe more like that Bradley Chubb style in a way. Just huge guy coming off the edge for you. Doesn't have that many sacks this year, but he does draw a lot of double teams. And he's... Actually, he still has six sacks of the season. It's pretty dang good. So, Boye Mafe is a name to watch out for. That Iowa offensive line. We talk about how good it is. Like, traditionally, they pull these just farm boys and turn them into great offensive linemen. Here's the thing. They play a very different style of offensive line than most teams do. So, when you have a traditional edge rusher like this go up against that zone scheme of blocking that Iowa likes to run, that really athletic interior offensive lineman sets, this is going to be a pretty interesting matchup to watch. I'm going to go ahead and say, similar to what you're talking about, Tug, You know, if Boye Mafé can get home, this is a lock for Minnesota. I don't know if that's going to happen, though. Put some faith in that Iowa offensive line here. Say they can stand him up. If Boye Mafé is held to limited production, Iowa's going to be able to walk away with this. So, opposite ends
3: of the spectrum for our players to watch, but basically the same concept. So,
2: we talked about our offensive and defensive ratings here. And uh, ECU and Memphis are separated by one spot on offense. There is quite the separation on defense, and Memphis' defense is higher than either team's offense, and uh, ECU's defense is lacking a little bit. Now, the other thing I want to bring up, too, is with Seth Hennigan back, the offense looked significantly better than it did three weeks ago. And with that, that brings me to my player to watch, Jaquan McMillan. He's a defensive back at ECU. He's he's tied for the lead in total tackles and sole leader in interceptions for the Pirates. I want to see how he's going to be able to have an effect on this game because he's going to have to be the best defensive player out there for ECU to have a shot in this one because if it comes down to shot for shot, who can win this game? I think Memphis probably will just because their defense is that much better than ECU's. However, that being said, if this dude is legit, he's the best on their team. He's going to have to have a big game. And I think if he does, they'll be able to slow Memphis down and leave Liberty Bowl Memorial Stadium at six and four.
0: Interesting matchup there for sure. Let's see how Eastern Carolina can hold up. So with that, let's go ahead and jump in these NFL previews. Got some good games down here as well going on on Sunday. And I'll start us off. New Orleans at Tennessee. I know the Titans have been playing really great the last couple of weeks. I don't believe that is sustainable. I mean, I haven't seen this defense be this good since, I don't know, 2013, 2012. Was the last time the Titans' defense was worthwhile? I mean, this is unreal. I don't believe it's sustainable, right? Adrian Peterson, great story. He's thirty-six. Nobody else wanted him for a reason, right? New Orleans has been surprisingly efficient this season. I know they have questions at quarterback, but this feels like a, a weird matchup where I don't know if. Anything's going to make sense. And we still do have to remember, Tennessee is one of two teams to lose to the Jets this year. So anything's possible.
2: (laughs) Funny that you mentioned the Jets. Because my game is the Buffalo Bills traveling to East Rutherford, New Jersey, to take on the New York football J-E-T-S Jets, Jets, Jets. Mike White is going to be back. And if that wasn't reason enough to pick this one, last week the Bills also played a horrible team, and uh, they lost that one. So there's a lot to look when you're thinking about, hey, is this game really worth watching? I think it is, because I honestly have no idea how this one's going to end up going.
1: Ah, yes, the next game where the Bills can't move the ball and the other team just happens to stumble into Three field goals for the win. Wouldn't it
0: be crazy if the Jets take the go third place in the division over the Dolphins?
1: They already are. What do you mean take?
0: All right, solidify third place in the division over the Dolphins.
1: God damn. <laughs> All right, uh, I am going another AFC, AFC East uh, team here. It's not the Dolphins. They're playing tonight. I am taking Cleveland traveling to New England, though. And, guys, this blew my mind. Cleveland is the underdog in this game granted it's only a one point spread not even a half point not even 1.5 it's a one point spread um that still blows my mind honestly cleveland needs to make another statement with this week they they absolutely need to to solidify their their place here um and they've got the ability to do so to Ernest Johnson is a massive player on this team. I'm going to talk more about him in a few few seconds here. Uh, so even if Nick Chubb is out, the Cleveland Browns have the opportunity to absolutely run over New England at home, which has not been their strong suit so this year. New England has played poorly at home in 2021.
0: Before we get to that, how do you feel about this false start? <laughs> I
1: don't know. I have I I don't have the game up. I wow. I recorded in a separate room, so I don't have a TV. Log in on Fox. Right. And don't you have a TV behind you? Jeez. I was I was wondering if somebody noticed that. Yes, but I also refuse to. Alright. Alright. Fair enough. I will
0: watch the game for you. Anyway. Jesus, <laughs> did we get a Pat. false
1: start? Oh no, no. no. <laughs> okay. I'm I'm looking at ESPN. There is a I see a no-play penalty on Baltimore for a face mask and a penalty on Eichenberg for holding it. I'm like, Jesus, what happened?
0: I mean, a lot of things happen right there.
2: Replay third down. <laughs> that's what happened.
0: Let's go ahead and talk about our picks. Um, I think, not to spoil too many things here, I think all of us are taking the Bills over the Jets, and all of us are taking the Browns over the Patriots. Where we differ is, I'm going to take the Saints in this one. I don't know what you guys are going to do with this game. I just, I don't feel like the Tennessee Titans formula the last two weeks is sustainable. And I don't know, really, I don't really believe yet that they can win a whole bunch of games without Derrick Henry. I just, I don't know what to think of them yet.
1: Ben, what just happened? (laughs) Who's 68? I have no idea. Robert Hunt? That sounds like Robert Hunt. (laughs)
2: He just got... I guess he lined up as eligible. Got the pass dumped off to him. Gets flipped. He might have reached the ball across the goal line to get into the end zone. Lands on his fucking neck and the ball starts coming out. So either it's a touchdown or it's a touchback.
1: (laughs) The ball go out the back of the end zone? Or the sides. He... Wasn't eligible. Yeah, there's there's
2: a flag on the play too. It's got to be because he wasn't eligible.
1: Wow. Well, they don't tell me he reported as eligible. Damn. Yeah, Chiu chungvalo pass short right to Robert Hunt. Uh, illegal, yeah, illegal touch.
0: Pass. Yeah, illegal touching.
1: A... Yeah. No, oh. ESPN's calling it an illegal touch pass. I don't even know what that means.
0: <laughs> that's well, that's not even team a team. penalty. Illegal
2: play. That, yeah, he was lined up at fucking guard. <laughs> anyway. I thought that play looked weird. Anyway. I was
1: going to say, he is our starting starting guard. Uh, anyway, uh, my player to watch, guys, I hinted to it, is Dernish Johnson, the running back. Uh, backup running back. Uh, who, are one, you, who are you
0: taking? Tennessee, New Orleans. Oh.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm going to take Tennessee on this one. Uh, I have no reason to not believe in them right now. um but I have every reason to not really believe in New Orleans starting Trevor Simeon, so I'm I'm I'm, I'm going to take the Titans in this one.
2: I say when you have two quarterbacks, you really have none, and uh, the New Orleans Saints have none currently. Because while they're going to start Trevor Simeon, I fully expect them to do what they did last week, and pl- that is play Taysom Hill at quarterback way more than they should be when they're naming. Trevor Simeon, their starter. I don't see it working out. And I think the formula the Titans have is working between McNichols and Adrian Peterson. I think AP is probably going to get involved in the offense a little bit more this week. He's still going to be pretty fresh. And let's not forget, Ryan Tannehill has looked amazing in Tennessee for whatever reason. And New Orleans defense doesn't scare me. So I'm going with the Titans. Those
1: are
0: fair points. I just feel reckless, I guess.
1: So just a fun fact here. Ronnie Staley tweeted out after that play, as a Raven, I hated that. As an offensive lineman, I loved everything about that.
2: (laughs) It was – they're showing that replay going into commercial. It was an illegal play, and they're showing the replay. They showed that replay probably seven times. It was fantastic to watch, honestly. (laughs)
0: With that, All right. now let's go ahead and jump into our players to watch. And, Tug, you're chopping the bit. Go for it.
1: Yeah, apparently I already started this one off. So I'm going to Ernest Johnson, the running back out of Cleveland. Honestly, this man really can be a game changer in that's saying something because he is the third string running back in Cleveland. And it it only helps him more that he's playing Kevin Stefanski's offense who loves running backs. And behind those
0: cards that we were just talking about in the news segment, got huge extensions for being two of the best cards
1: in the league. Absolutely, man. And honestly, as bad as New England has played in New England this year, Cleveland's going to need to Ernest Johnson to put out a big game this week if they're going to win in Foxborough. I'm honestly looking for another big game out of him. I'm expecting it. There's no reason to assume he's not going to put it up. And this is all on the assumption that Chubb is out this week for COVID. Ah, uh, there's he. There's still a chance he could play, but it's not been determined yet.
3: My player to watch is on the defensive side of the ball, going with Kevin Byard, safety for the Titans. We
0: just don't talk about this guy enough. He's honestly been one of the best safeties in the NFL for the past like three, four seasons, and he just you nobody know, talks about him. <laughs> so we've. Mentioned multiple times on the show, he mentioned like Cole Kelly, Eric Barrier, FCS quarterbacks. I've talked about how much I love Cameron Ward as a prospect. He's a true sophomore down at incarnate word. And we don't talk about Kevin Byard, of all people. Like, come on, we got to mention this guy at some point. Quietly, so quietly, he's second in the league in interceptions. I didn't know that until I looked it up yesterday because I was just curious, yeah, this dude's still amazing, and nobody talks about him. So here's another point, another maybe nail in the coffin of Tug's MTSU hate. Kevin Byard is an MTSU alum playing in the NFL in his home state. Exciting stuff. Love to see it. He gets paid very well. The Titans certainly recognize him as one of the best. Nobody else in the league seems to. Nobody else in the commentary game does. So, you heard it here first, folks. BDT recognizes the greatness that is Kevin Byard, and I just can't wait to see what he does next.
2: They're still showing Hunt on the sideline of this game. It's amazing. <laughs> I love everything about this. Who's who's leading the, uh, the league in interceptions? Do you remember? Trayvon Diggs. Trayvon Diggs. I was going to say it was either him or JC Jackson. I feel like he's probably at least third or fourth without looking. Anyway... None of those guys are my player to watch this week. Mine is Mike motherfucking White, quarterback for the J-E-T-S Jets, Jets, Jets. Man, he obviously had an amazing first game. The best performance by Jets quarterback in 20 years. For some Jets fans, that was the best quarterback performance they've seen in their entire life for their team. People that aren't all that much younger than us, by the way. He was looking really good in the second game, too. He looked like a very experienced season quarterback, stepping up in the pocket, didn't let the pressure get to him. If he's able, after the injury he sustained in that game against Indy, if he's able to keep that up, keep playing calm, keep going through his reads and finding the open man, they might be able to beat this Bills team because I don't know how much of it was just a funk that they were in last week and how they're going to be able to recover, but now they're on the road, so that makes it even a little bit harder to recover, because even though the Jets have been awful for a long time, they have a very loyal fan base. And playing at the Meadowlands, sorry, MetLife Stadium, it's not it's not going to be easy for the, for the Bills to go in and do. I would love to see Mike White put up another 400-plus-yard performance and take out the Buffalo Bills this week.
0: That would be incredible for multiple reasons, not the least of which just the absolute shit show would create around Zach Wilson. Man. (laughs) Man. Also, huge DPI on X here. Xavier Howard went out of his deal. All that talk. About how great he is getting underpaid. He goes and does this. Come on, man. You're not allowed to ever have penalties, ever.
1: I am going to bring this back to Robert Hunt for a second because if this man is eligible, he is 1000% in the end zone. There is no question. What a fucking play by, by an offensive guard. That has to be one of the most athletic plays I think I've ever seen I, I think by on an offensive the, lineman.
2: The last replay I saw of it, I think. I couldn't tell you who was in it back. I'm assuming it was probably Gaskin. I think it he was, just got I think he just got lost and Tua sailed the ball a little bit
1: and it just yeah, went straight to Hunt. Yeah, the report I'm getting from some friends that are actively watching it more than I am right now are telling me that it was a screen pass intended for Gaskin and Hunt took it and it went, was it was Screw 100%. it, I'm going to go score, and my God, he did. Even if it wasn't legal, that man scored a touchdown tonight. I do not care.
2: It was it was amazing.
0: So, Xavier and Howard made up for that BPI. <laughs> yeah, he
1: did. I, okay, let's just say I have so much faith in the Dolphins that Bug was kind enough to let me know there was a fumble, and my instant reaction was, by who? knowing that the Dolphins were on defense. That is how much faith I have in the Dolphins right now. Watch that the Dolphins still
0: come back and win this game
2: somehow.
1: Stop hurting me.
2: There's 11 minutes left. The Ravens are down 15-3. <laughs> to 3. This is right where they want the Dolphins right now.
1: I have said this already. I know these are facts. Anyway, to ignore these facts, I'm going to get into bracket time, and we're going to dish out dish out some more facts here coming in.
0: Guys, and are you
1: ready for opinions. our <laughs> – No, no, they're facts now. Once okay. once we settle it, they are facts. Um, Guys, All are you right. ready to jump on in? Hell yeah. Get down All on right. it. Get down, Get down on, on it. it. I'm going to throw out a disclaimer here, guys. We've, we did put up Instagram polls. We're still working the kinks out on that. So these results will not reflect the, the Instagram polls. We are going to roll solely with Twitter here. But that being said, jumping into our first matchup today, we have Marcus Mariota, the quarterback out of Oregon in 2014, taking on Sam Bradford, the quarterback out of Oklahoma in 2008. Guys, Marcus Mariota took it with 100% of the vote. Where are you guys at? Yeah.
0: Yeah, what Mariota added on the ground is truly incredible. He was basically another running back out there for the Ducks in addition to throwing 40 touchdowns and throwing for 4,400 yards. Like, that is absolutely wild. Sam Bradford in himself did have a very good season. There was obvious reason to take him number one overall when the Rams did. NFL is a different story, right? College, he was extremely good. But Mariota was a different level, different style of player, and... Just incredible at two different things at once. That's hard to beat, you know.
2: This uh, this was just after the Chip Kelly era, second season for Mark Helfridge. in two thousand fourteen, when mm-hmm. Mariota won it. Tug's look was like, "What are you talking about?" But that's I, the thing.
1: I thought I thought for sure that he, that he still had Chip Kelly out there. Well, no, the this thing. was the Scott... year that
0: uh, this was the year that Ohio State beat Oregon in the national championship game. It was not Chip Kelly.
2: Scott Frost was the offensive coordinator. They were running a very similar scheme. There was enough variation in it that Oregon was a different enough team uh, that Mariota was able to prove that he can do more than just the Oregon offense. Because before that, who really looked at Oregon's quarterbacks, even though they had the most electric offense in the country? Really, right. you know, we haven't seen anything like it since and probably won't see it again. I don't know that the, that the NCAA... Has figured out Chip Kelly, uh, but it, it's not working at UCLA. Besides the point, Marcus Mariota, like I watched both these guys play. I thoroughly enjoyed watching Mariota play more. That really made it easy, and it's going to make it easy in this next one, too.
1: All right. Since you lead into it, Marcus Mariota is moving on to take on the winner of our next matchup. We have Kyler Murray. Another quarterback out of, you guessed it, Oklahoma in 2018, taking on Tim Tebow, the quarterback out of Florida in 2007. Guys, Twitter, and I do remember Instagram, uh, having Tim Tebow as well, but Twitter takes Tim Tebow. So Tim Tebow's up one nothing. Where are you guys at? This one's a little bit harder for me.
0: Based purely on my memory of how effective these guys are, it feels like Tim Tebow changed the shape of the game, right? At the same time, I don't know that that's entirely true. I mean, really stop and consider the kinds of throws Tim Tebow was making. It was a lot of like short five yard passes with some just incredible speed on the outside. Those Florida teams at racking up yards for him, right? The yards per attempt there are absolutely killer low.
1: offense. Absolutely oh, yes. killer offense.
0: And to think they almost didn't have Tim Tebow. They had almost had Cam Newton starting a quarterback there instead. Just <laughs> unreal. The kind of team that Florida Gators University put out. You know, that's, that's something else. Kyler
3: Murray felt, even at the time, he felt like a product of the system. In the NFL,
0: he's starting to prove that he is more than that, I guess. But even to some extent, Cliff Kingsbury has totally formed and molded this Cardinals team around Kyler Murray. He feels much more tied to that one style of offense. And maybe that's unfair because Tim Tebow certainly didn't work without his style of offense either. but that does hurt Kyler Murray. So his numbers don't mean as much to me as maybe they would for a normal player because it's like, well, it was so perfectly crafted around Kyler Murray's skill set. I don't know. This is, this is a weird matchup to me. I feel like I could go either way yet, but I think I know which way you're going to vote. So why don't you just go ahead and take
2: it? Uh, Number two was Darren McFadden. Number three was Colt Brennan. Number four was Chase Daniel. Number five was Dennis Dixon out of Oregon. And number one, by the way, man. Yeah. Uh, Number one, of course, being Tim Tebow, first sophomore to ever win it, which is something we haven't talked about uh, when we talk about Tebow so far. And I think that really does kind of elevate it because Kyler Murray, he played, I think, a half the year before because Baker Mayfield had been suspended. And I just remember thinking, sitting there and thinking, man, you mean to tell me they went from Sam Bradford, had a couple of years, then Baker Mayfield stumbled his way in there, and then they got Kyler Murray, and then they were able to follow up Kyler Murray with Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts, and then Spencer and that's Rattler. That's supposed to be Spencer Rattler, but they got now it's Caleb Williams, Williams. Like, It's It's insane, and Oklahoma is a great quarterback factory. But uh, back to Tim Tebow, in a year with all these sweet players having these amazing seasons, running these amazing offenses, Tim Tebow stands out for more than just winning the Heisman, for more than just being a sophomore, for more than leading his team to a national championship that year, I believe. Maybe it was the next year. I don't remember. I think they... I think they won like three or were in three straight national championships with Tim Tebow. I mean, just everything around the two. Yeah. They won football and basketball, I think, against Ohio State in each of them. I'm sorry. Yep. I know that hurts.
0: Uh but that Greg Oden team, dude, that was brutal, <laughs> devastating.
2: Against Joe Kim, though Anyway. It was it was
0: it was Greg Oden, and uh who was the guy who was on the Grizzlies forever? Mike Conley. Conley, yep. Dude, that team was so amazing. <laughs> And they that just shat the bed the first half against Florida. It was so yes. heartbreaking.
2: And now Billy Donovan's coaching the uh, right. the Bulls. I mean, it's it's all coming full circle. We're getting away from the point. <laughs> again, two guys that I've watched. Kyler is a great player, but man, I just I love Tim Tebow. That whole speech when they had the loss. I don't, again, memories fuzzy. Don't remember what year it was the leadership that he showed taking accountability for it. And yeah, okay, it was kind of corny, kind of cheesy, but man, can't help but want to run through a wall for that guy. I do think, you know, again, this isn't about their NFL careers. I think he just really wasn't given an opportunity. I think he could have ended up eventually succeeding, and he just didn't.
1: It is what it is. That sets up a very interesting matchup between Tim Tebow and Marcus Mariota the next time we visit this, side of the bracket but moving on down guys we have yet another oklahoma quarterback baker mayfield taking on mike rogier the running back out of nebraska in 1983 and guys twitter went with mike rogier are we really going to send three oklahoma quarterbacks out in a row with big smiles on our faces
3: This one's probably the hardest yet for me. Mike year had a fantastic season by any possible way that you could look at it, right? 29 touchdowns, 2,100 yards. And Baker Mayfield was something special, though.
0: And I know we just talked about how Kyler Murray felt like a product of the system. I feel like that system was created with Baker Mayfield instead of for Baker Mayfield. This was the year that they came into the shoe and planted the flag.
3: I hated Baker Mayfield so much. That I can't help but think he has been the more impactful football player.
0: (laughs) I mean,
1: I have have talked to your therapist about
0: this recently.
3: You guys are my therapists, so I'm talking to you right now.
1: (laughs) It's valid.
0: I want Uh, to vote for Baker Mayfield.
2: Yeah, let me let me step in here. I think what you're saying to impact on the game, I think that's that's we kind of got to start looking at some of that stuff too, right? Because if you just look at stats, like that doesn't tell you the full story. Obviously, 1983, none of us were born then, right? Right. So we got to start looking at impact, all these other things. Micro's year beat out some pretty big names, right? Steve Young. Doug Flutie, who would go on to win it later. A teammate of his, Turner Gill. But then let's look at who the the guys that Baker Mayfield beat out. Bryce Love, Lamar Jackson, Saquon Barkley, Rashad Penny, Jonathan Taylor, Mason Rudolph, Mackenzie Milton at number nine, tied with on Johnson. Again, Maybe number ten like...
0: there, Roquan Smith, the best linebacker in the NFL right oh, now. Oh
2: yeah, well you know I didn't scroll down far enough to see that. So, <laughs> I... and moreover, I think it's worth noting: Baker Mayfield started his collegiate career as a walk-on, and he elevated to winning the Heisman Trophy.
0: He walked on at Texas Tech, left Texas Tech, walked on at Oklahoma. Yeah, incredible.
2: It's uh, it's quite insane. Now, in fairness, Rozier started at junior college. Worked his way to the Cornhuskers. As a sophomore, he joined the team. I I can't find anything out about his. Uh, scholarship status or anything like that based on what I'm looking at here. He had a, he had an interesting journey too. I don't want to, you know, say he didn't and he improved every year, but man, Bacon Mayfield, man, that's, I think that's gotta be,
3: I, I think Twitter got this one wrong is what I'm getting at. Tug, we need your help, man.
1: I mean, you guys are hitting all the right points here. Baker Mayfield, honestly, he did light the world on fire. I remember watching that that season, and it was absolutely insane. Doug, I do specifically and explicitly remember how upset you were that day after he planted the flag, which, if I'm not mistaken, was revenge, wasn't it? From what Ohio State did at Oklahoma the year prior?
3: Yes. Yeah. We didn't plant a flag, though. We're classier about it.
2: You just tore up the field.
0: Well, wiped the field with them. A little bit different.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, and you guys are right. Baker Mayfield is kind of the start of this string of Oklahoma quarterbacks that's been insane, honestly. And we're starting to see it again with with Caleb Williams. That's that's a culture thing. More importantly, wasn't wasn't Baker Mayfield the transition? Didn't he work the transition? From I forget who their old coach was to uh, Lincoln Riley, wasn't he there how, for that? How did, how did
0: you forget Bob Stoops, <laughs> uh,
1: Dude, I, I, yeah, I, I don't remember Bob Stoops' name. I'm sorry, I do now. Oh my
3: god.
1: Okay. Either yeah. way, I was simply that just happened. It absolutely didn't. You guys are gonna deal with it. <laughs> so but, I mean, yeah, I, think, so, I
0: do think you're right. Yes, the transition to Lincoln Riley.
1: So not only did Baker Mayfield do this in Oklahoma and start this string of Oklahoma quarterbacks, he did it in a coaching transition. That's absolutely insane. I'm a-okay moving Baker Mayfield on.
3: And no, I won't apologize
1: for my miscue. That's fine.
2: You know who didn't miscue was the Dolphins. They just pinned the Ravens inside the one-yard line on a punt there.
1: No, no, I don't want to hear about it. Nope. Oh, I'll give you all the
2: fucking updates.
1: I know you are. And you do want to hear about it. You're not wrong. I just don't want to be hurt, okay? It's, It's a simple request, and it just never happens. All right. Looking here at the next matchup, we have Doak Walker, the halfback out of SMU in 1948, taking on Charles White, the running back out of USC in 1979. Guys, Charles White took 100% of the vote. Where are you guys at?
3: At some point, the stats do need to matter, right? We certainly
0: are starting to need to take a combination of factors here. Doug Walker has moved on purely because of his name and what he has done for the game of football to this point. His stats are not that good. (laughs) Let's be real. Like, I know you can look at it on a per-game basis or whatever. It's still not even
3: comparable. Charles White was a fantastic, fantastic football player.
0: I don't see any reason to really move on Doak Walker at this point. He is one of the legends of the game. There's no taking that away from him. At the same time, we are trying to determine the best overall Heisman Trophy winner. Between these two, I have to take Charles White.
2: Uh. Didn't we move on Dope Walker over Earl Campbell because Earl Campbell is more of a pro football name? Mostly, I believe like that was, I, yeah, yeah, I believe I that was
0: our reasoning. Yeah,
2: and uh, we moved on Dope Walker over Jameis Winston because Dope so. Walker really changed the game. Jameis did a lot of questionable things in college. Right. Charles White is definitely. Better football player, hands down, and I think Earl Campbell and Jameis Winston were as well. Uh, but
3: you
2: I don't found th- reasons yeah. to yeah. keep Dope
3: Walker in this. Honestly, I, yeah, I, I don't. Yeah, I don't think there's any reason to continue this.
1: Fair enough. I'm gonna skip the next matchup on our list. We'll come back to it later. It's our one tie of the week. That being said, that brings us to Des Howard taking on Doug Flutie. Ben, you mentioned him earlier as our other quarterback uh, that, uh, what was it, Rogier beat out previously. But Twitter went with Des Howard. Where are you guys at?
2: I, I got to say, I'll start this off because I
1: don't want Doug to get.
2: Uh, Get hurt and get upset here, but I am legitimately surprised that Desmond Howard won by as much as he did against Doug Flutie. That being said, something about a junior wide receiver winning, I don't know. I think it does carry a little bit more weight. I think the only reason... Ty Detmer didn't win is because they didn't want to give the Heisman to a player at BYU. They'd rather give it to, you know, one of these big blue blood schools. You've got to be shitting me. Surely they blew the whistle on that. Okay, yeah, they did. Anyway, sorry. I thought it was another scoop and score for a second. Uh, Uh, Yeah, I mean, Man. I'm looking at this. I really want to find a reason to agree with Desmond Howard with as big of a win as he had. I just can't. I know Doug, you at your heart don't want to agree with Twitter, but I want to see what you legitimately analytically think about this matchup.
1: Before you go, Doug, Ben, I'm going to go ahead and say, I am shocked that you're not taking the electric return man as your pick here. That. Absolutely blows my mind. Anyway, Doug, you're up, buddy. Yeah.
3: We've had this issue with players before
0: in this bracket where some guys are pretty dang good in college. They don't become legends until they reach the NFL. And I'm afraid that's what's happened to Doug Flutie here problem with him, the reason he made it this far, is the guys he was going up against in previous rounds, Vic Janowitz and Jason White, were just okay at both levels, right? Or Jason White's case didn't even really play in the NFL. So, to me, we're looking at the best college football player, best college season, it's hard for me to go with Doug Flutie. I would have to say Desmond Howard. He has 1,100 yards from scrimmage, which, you know, that's nothing insane. Wide receiver standards. 21 touchdowns is pretty incredible, though. You also have to factor in the returns. What he was able to do on punt and kick returns was legitimately something special. He became an NFL legend for that same reason as well. Like, this guy was really good at those. Doug Flutie. As great as he ended up being, 27 touchdowns and 11 interceptions is not a special quarterback season.
2: I'll, I understand. I'll throw this one out here too. Okay. If Jerry Rice didn't go to an FCS school, he probably wins the Heisman anyway. Right. He was ninth in Heisman voting out of Mississippi Valley State. Right.
3: I don't know. And and, and, I, and I would have had a hard
0: time voting for Doug Flutie over Keith Byers, and not because I'm a Ohio State fan, but because Keith Byers probably had a better overall year looking at that touchdown interception ratio. Again, I know this is 1984, we're talking about, and watching Doug Flutie play, from what I have heard, right? I wasn't alive for that era, but at the same time, you hear tales of you know the short guy out in Boston College making plays like nobody can believe he's escaping the pocket like nobody's business nobody does this ever and he's just incredible okay but the numbers don't back that up and if we're going to i mean nobody nobody tried to replicate Doug Flutie's game the same way that people have dreamed of being a Desmond Howard right
3: people or even have a ever Devon tried Hester.
0: Try, people have dreamed of replicating that moment in the shoe, in the game, where he struck the Heisman pose in the end zone after a big kick return. I mean, I hate that moment as an Ohio State fan at the same time.
2: That's yeah, one of the reasons. On the graphic.
0: <laughs> that's one of the reasons that the game is what it is, as one of the reasons Desmond Howard is who he is. So I, you got to give it to Desmond Howard, I think.
2: I feel bad that I made you say all those nice things about Desmond Howard, but I completely agree. Thank you for the integrity. And uh, <laughs> Lamar Jackson to Mark Adams. It is now uh, 15 to 9.
1: Can Can we talk about the, what, three penalties for 53 yards on that drive? Hey, fuck you. Did you watch the game on Monday? Shut the fuck up.
2: Move I, on to the next, I, matchup.
1: I never to the next said, matchup. I never said that the Bears weren't fucked by the refs also. All right, next matchup. This one might be painful for me, but hey, so be it. We got Ricky Williams, the running back out of Texas in 1998, taking on Marcus Allen, the running back out of USC in 1981. And guys, I got to tell you, I got to be honest, Ricky Williams is probably the first NFL player I'm actually familiar with uh, growing up as a Miami Dolphin. However, Twitter has gone with Marcus Allen. Where are you guys at?
0: He got so high, he forgot other people were supposed to score touchdowns touchdown, too.
1: <laughs> he, he got so <laughs> high, he forgot he was supposed to get high.
3: There we go. Oh, man. He Williams is pretty good, huh? Uh,
0: so is Marcus Allen.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I, I, Generally, that's why they both won the Heisman, yes. Marcus
3: Allen had more yards, better average. He had five fewer touchdowns, eh, fewer games. You wanna you wanna talk about
2: who uh, who they beat? Because of, yeah, because Ricky Williams beat some decent guys, some guys that were kind of bust. K. McNabb, I mean, he was a great Tim college Couch. quarterback. Tim, Tim Couch, Couch was, was a great, great college,
0: college quarterback. quarterback. Donovan McNabb, Dante Culpepper.
2: I'll Cole Culpepper would have been higher if UCF wasn't in FCS school at the time, too.
0: Dude, Torrey Holt ended up being amazing in the NFL. But again, that's one of those situations. Was he
3: that amazing in college? I mean, pretty good, but.
2: Look at who Marcus Sean Allen Bailey. beat. Look at who Marcus Allen beat. You he got Herschel Walker as a sophomore, Jim McMahon, Dan Marino, Arch Slichter. I remembered from last time. It's it's a real who's who, uh and all of these guys. I would say Dan Marino is probably the only one that didn't make a name for himself as much as a college player as he did as a pro.
1: I was going to say you, you alone have already convinced me that Ricky Williams needs to move on just by bringing up two Miami Dolphins, i.e., Ricky Williams and Dan Marino. I'm a hundred percent against Marcus Allen right now. Totally unbiased, I swear. <laughs> I, you know, know,
0: especially considering the legends that Ricky Williams beat, like Michael Bishop,
1: (laughs) Sean King. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) we got a lot of. I totally know who those guys are, what school they played for, and what position they are. I don't know what you're talking about.
2: Right. Reggie Collier, Rich Dana. Those are some huge names, too. I don't know, man. It's. It's interesting. I, I do think I don't think the touchdowns or fewer so touchdowns hurts Marcus Allen as much as
0: it might. Here's a legitimate argument for you and something that we've used in the past.
3: So Marcus Allen really feels like an extension of the formula
0: for USC. And that hurt Kyler Murray earlier today. Right. It's. Not a system that was built because of Marcus Allen. It was a system that Marcus Allen was able to slide into and perform pretty well in. They didn't throw the ball in the 70s and 80s, even the late 60s. They had OJ Simpson, they had Charles White, they had Marcus Allen. I mean, they had a string of fantastic running back talents who all made that system work. Texas at the time. Did not revolve around the running back solely; it became that because of the talent of Ricky Williams. So that's a kind of, that's a legitimate argument that we have used earlier today.
3: It is in favor of Ricky Williams, right? I say I'm going to vote Ricky Williams. Yeah,
2: and and when you look at the overall records both teams went nine and three both teams went to a bowl game obviously i don't even want to talk about the fact that texas won and usc lost because usc played in an actual neutral game and texas got to play at the cotton bowl like that's not even it's not even really fair to bring that one up oh and the cotton bowl game was against mississippi state like it's not Mississippi State in the early nineties, like the whole SEC was kind of just meh. Right. Or late nineties, sorry. Uh yeah, I I agree because looking looking through this, major major Applewhite throwing football, there's a reason he's been able to get coaching jobs at any university in Texas, and it's because of what he was able to do at quarterback for the Longhorns in the nineties. I'm gonna agree with you. I think Ricky Williams was able to do more outside of what he was really asked to do.
1: I'll, I'm going to go Ricky Williams as well. I love you both. This is why you're both going to be groomsmen at my wedding. Yeah, guys, you, you've you've hit it all. I, you didn't really even need to try to convince me, um, but you honestly 100% did. We'll push on Ricky Williams' Twitter. I'm sorry. We love you um but hey we got so high we forgot we were supposed to vote with twitter i'm sorry
2: wow okay i don't know what you're talking about
1: (laughs) it's a joke twitter it's a joke i promise
2: dolphins are on an
1: actual drive here stop it they're in the red zone they can't
2: fuck this one up
1: Somehow Albert Wilson – well, no, that's where we fucked them all up. And somehow Albert <laughs> Wilson became relevant with a 64-yard reception. I don't know what's going on. Moving on to that? our next <laughs> – yeah, exactly. Moving on to our next matchup, we have Davey O'Brien, the quarterback out of TCU in, um, yeah, 1938. Um, this is like before the U.S. got involved in World War II, which is saying something. Uh, Before, taking on Barry started at all, and at Barry Sanders, the running back uh, out of Oklahoma State in 1988. Uh, oh man, so here's Twitter. Twitter's going with Barry Sanders. Where are you guys at?
3: Keep this simple. I'm going with Barry Sanders. So here's
0: Here's my issue with Davey O'Brien. And so, again, this is – I'm trying to stay consistent today. This is the first time I will have stayed consistent through, um, I don't know, any of our bracket time segments. But, (laughs) you know, today I'm trying to be consistent. What Davy O'Brien was able to do
3: was only possible because of Sammy Baugh. Now, it is the Davy O'Brien Award, not the Sammy Baugh Award, because Davey O'Brien did a little bit better.
0: 19 touchdowns, 4 interceptions. That's still pretty good by today's standards, that kind of touchdown-interception ratio. 1,500 passing yards in 1938. That's
3: pretty incredible. At the same time, There's a difference here in that people try to be like Davy O'Brien. You
0: take keys from that guy. How can I improve my game? Be more like Davy O'Brien. No one replicates Barry Sanders because no one is capable of doing what Barry Sanders is capable of doing. This guy is something different. He is built different.
2: That's one <laughs> I mean of the. That quite most... literally ridiculous <laughs> phrases about an athlete, but I agree with it so much. It's very odd. Almost Barry like Sanders 40
0: touchdowns as a running back.
2: Had one of the best college football seasons ever, period, dot. Even people that surpass it still didn't do it in the way that Barry Sanders did it. There is a reason Oklahoma State is finally putting him into the ring of honor, although being the second inductee sounds like it's a pretty new thing. I don't know who was number one. I don't care who was number one. It should have been Barry Sanders. I'm happy he's getting a statue out there as well. I'm going to look at it this way too. Davy O'Brien got advanced, rightfully so, because of how he changed the game. It is the Davy O'Brien Award. But when you look at it too, first round, he faces the old ball coach. Yeah, that's right. Ball coach, Steve Spurrier. Nobody really thinks about him as a quarterback for the Florida Gators. They think of him as the coach of the Florida Gators. The next round, he won against Glenn Davis out of Army, and as great as Glenn Davis was, as great as the story, statistics-wise, all of it, it's all great, but it doesn't stack up to what Davey O'Brien did specifically for football, playing the college game specifically. Barry Sanders, man. There's really nothing else you need to say. It's going to create a very interesting matchup next week. Uh, really, we're getting to the point, you know, we've been saying this for a while. Some of these, it's odd that we finally have some very clear cut winners this week. I understand how we got here. I understand why we got to this point. But man, I, we've got to start looking at the best seasons at this point, too.
1: So Barry Sanders will move on and Ben to answer your question. Thurman Thomas was the first inductee last year into the Oklahoma State Ring of Honor. So it's it like is, they're going
0: chronologically. He was before he was the running back before Barry Sanders. Uh, he had a couple of great seasons as well. But yeah, it, Barry Sanders was better
1: <laughs> by a lot. It is it is very new, uh, but it it's worth highlighting that Thurman Thomas was the first one. But Barry Sanders, I agree, deserve to be the first. Uh, so at least he's getting in at number two. Hey, two at by up
0: the middle, one yard rush for a touchdown.
1: They nope, can't my, fuck
0: this one up. Stop it. It's twenty-one to ten with two minutes left.
1: I don't care. Okay. It's it's Lamar Jackson.
0: <laughs> Twenty-two to ten.
1: I don't care.
0: We're gonna we got move one into more our, matchup.
1: Yeah, we're going to move into our final matchup here before you guys anger me. And honestly, I think this is going to be the most fun matchup across the board because, man, it's interesting, and, hey, I get to vote on this one. (laughs) Guys, we have Troy Smith, the quarterback out of Ohio State in 2006, taking on Herschel Walker, the running back out of Georgia, in 1982. Ooh, guys, I'm gonna pass it to you first. Actually, Doug, I'm gonna I'm gonna bring you in first on this one. Where are you at, buddy?
3: This is legitimately very hard.
2: <laughs> I can make it a little easier, but it might be at your expense. I I'm sure you're gonna vote Herschel Walker fine, whatever. <laughs> But it's my reasoning for voting Herschel Walker.
0: All right, give it to me. I need to hear something.
2: Brady Quinn had a better season and he didn't even finish second. He finished third in Heisman voting. Darren McFadden as a sophomore finished second. If Darren McFadden's a junior or a senior, he might actually beat Troy Smith too. I don't remember enough from the 2006 Ohio State season, as I'm sure you do. Unless you've got something amazing here, I, I can't think of why Troy Smith was able to jump both of those guys. I, I, I can't for Darren McFadden, right? Tim, when Tim Tebow won it the next year as a sophomore, nobody expected that. Nobody saw it coming, but it had been a conversation coming for a while. Darren McFadden was kind of the guy that led off that conversation. All that being said, I man, I don't even completely agree with Troy Smith winning it that season.
0: So I can give you some explanation as to what happened there for Troy Smith to win. A lot of things went right for Troy Smith to be able to win. You are correct. I mean, Brady Quinn had a great season as well. Um, goodness I me. Mean, we're going off pure
3: stats. Colt Brennan again. But, Should have won it, but let's stop and consider what playing quarterback at Ohio State looked like before Troy Smith,
0: and it was nothing like what Troy Smith was able to do. He brought some dimensions to the Big Ten that the Big Ten had never seen before. Being a mobile quarterback was not really something the Big Ten believed in prior to 2006. And no, he didn't have an insane amount of rushing yards that made up for, for the difference in Brady Quinn's passing yards were much more, right? It's, it's not even about that, though. It's about the style of play and the way he was able to perform against the rest of the Big Ten. And when you look at the matchups that season, Ohio State really had to fight and claw their way through an incredibly highly ranked Big Ten schedule. AP poll was very favorable to the Big Ten at the time. The game that year ended up being number one versus number two. Ohio State won by a field goal, 42-39. Heisman trophy voting happens before bowl season, so they didn't get to see Ohio State lay an egg to Florida, 41-14. But before then, they were perfect on an extremely tough schedule based off of, you know, rankings and the actual defensive statistics of the Big Ten at the time. It was just wild. So Troy Smith changed the face of quarterback for the entire conference that year. Won a lot of very high-profile games, especially number one versus number two in the regular season. Every time that happens, like once every 10 years or so, people can't stop talking about it until the next time it happens, right? That happened. All happened in one season for Troy Smith.
3: That was such a special season as a whole for that team that
0: the tro- the Heisman Trophy voters really just went with the leader of that team. So I get it, where you're going to say Herschel Walker had a better individual season, the story around Troy Smith that year was incredible. At the same time, we're not talking about a huge gap statistically. Herschel Walker had a good season, but it's not like some of the other seasons we've talked about today, which were just, blow your mind, crazy good seasons. I mean, 16 touchdowns for a running back, that's like you almost expect that out of good teams anymore, which is wrong of us. I mean, that's still a great season, but compared to some of the numbers we've seen today, that's
3: not
2: Uh, mind-boggling. In fairness, I'll say this too. I think Eric Dickerson had a better season that year anyway as well. I, I understand Herschel Walker beating out John Elway, looking at uh, looking at the numbers there. Again, comparing a quarterback to a running back, tough to do. However, Herschel Walker had 335 attempts to Eric Dickerson's 232. and right. only had about 140 more yards. It's actually less than that. I just don't feel like doing the math.
0: And one fewer touchdown.
2: And one fewer touchdown, exactly. So <clears throat> both of these guys, <laughs> the man in third place that they beat, arguably a better player, arguably more deserving.
0: I will say if we want to go Herschel Walker, there's a good argument for it in that Georgia won the national championship that year, right? It's if we're looking at, if we are starting to look at team success, which I feel like I have to do to justify Troy Smith being Eisman recipient, then maybe we need to look at Georgia's success that year as
3: well. What do you say, Tug? What do
1: you think about all this? Man, I'm torn because Herschel Walker is a name in and of himself. Honestly, Troy Smith didn't really make a major name for himself outside of outside of college, which it happens. It happens a lot. We're trying to ignore that because um, we're trying to keep this to college. But Herschel Walker, man, that's that's a legend in his own right. But here's my question. Here's my question to everybody right now. Is Herschel Walker's name a legend in his own right because of what he did in the NFL? And for me, I think that answer is yes. So I'm I'm torn because I need to draw that distinction and I'm not quite sure exactly where it's at. But I th- I think that's going to be a determining factor is who was better in college. That's where the toss-up is. Herschel Walker is the known commodity. There's no question about that. That being said, if Herschel Walker is the known commodity across the board and Troy Smith pulled in to tie him on Twitter, that's also saying something there too. So I really don't know which way to go on this one.
2: Did you say Herschel Walker? Did you say the 1982 Georgia Bulldogs won the national championship? Did they not? No, they lost in the sugar bowl to Penn State twenty-seven to twenty-three and finished. And they won at eighty-one. Eight. Yeah, they finished fourth in the AP poll. Interception Miami. Miami's gonna win this one. Stop saying they're not going to. Jesus Christ. Uh All right. both teams I, went I give eleven it to you now. One. Ohio State actually ended up finished ranked higher in the uh in the AP in the final AP poll of the season, obviously losing that BCS National Championship game, they finished number 2. And I would argue too that even as a Heisman trophy winner at running back, you still aren't going to have as much of an impact as a good quarterback will on a team as successful in any year, honestly. I don't know. I I struggle though because Again, while I don't think Herschel Walker deserved it over Eric Dickerson, I think that even less statistically-wise, at least, uh, than I do about Troy Smith over, uh, well, not just Colt Breton, but... Brady Quinn. Oh, Brady Quinn. There we go. I pulled off the page, damn it. Man...
3: I mean you can you can say that, and that I understand where you're coming from with that
0: argument at the same time Troy Smith did beat him, right? So there had to have been something there to propel Troy Smith above Brady Quinn that was you can't see in a stat line right. the same with Herschel Walker over Eric Dickerson. There must have been something there. maybe it was the number of carries. I mean, that workload is pretty impressive too, for Herschel Walker, you know, maybe just the sheer lack of attempts for Troy Smith, you know, being that close statistically with almost a hundred fewer passing attempts. That's pretty incredible too. And to be in such high profile games at the end of the season, you know, everyone's talking about Troy Smith every week because they can't help, but watch Ohio state when they turn on the TV. I mean, that has to play a factor too, right? So there's a lot of things that go into this. I, I, to me, these guys are so incredibly close that I'm okay moving either one of them on. Obviously, as an Ohio State fan, it'd be really fun to see Ohio State versus that team up north in the next round. At the same time, Herschel Walker is a very known commodity, like Tug was talking about. And if I want a chance of beating Desmond Howard, I might need Herschel Walker in that Twitter vote. So, <laughs> I don't know. I really think it's going to be up to you guys. I have such a hard time making the decision on this one. To me, these seasons are practically identical. And to now find out that Georgia didn't even win that national title in 82, it was 1980, they won it. So uh, these are practically identical seasons to me. Do you want to take a quarterback? you want to take a running back? Let's take away what they did in the NFL. Troy Smith was a third string quarterback for the Baltimore Ravens for like two years. Herschel Walker was part of that infamous trade that the Vikings collapsed because of, right. I mean, there's a whole lot of stories there. I don't care about that. I care about this season compared to the other season in college football. They are
3: so, so close. I Tug, know. I need I, you to vote. I need you to vote, Tug. I need help,
1: <laughs> dude. I'm think, still torn. To I,
2: I. I got to say though, I don't know that I. Think of Herschel Walker as a. As an NFL player, though, I do think of him as a college player, so I, I bring that up because I, I don't think it helps Tug's argument as much as.
3: Right,
0: I as, feel much like
2: as it does for him, anyway. You I'm know, gonna, I, I'm
3: going
0: to cut you off. I'm going to cut you off. I feel like you're the only one who has a definitive selection here in mind. It I, sounds I, like you are voting Herschel Walker. I, if that's the case, you're the only one who has voted so far. So I say let's go ahead and move Herschel Walker on. <laughs> I'm At this point, I'm legitimately okay with either of them. I can't make the case for Choice Smith any more than I already have. So if you think it Herschel Walker, let's go ahead and go with it.
2: I, 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 that's the problem, though, is I, I don't. All right, all right, let's settle this.
1: I'm so glad I saved this one for last. By the way, I was gonna say because (laughs) I we're legit gonna
0: flip a coin. All right, heads. I'm calling it heads. Is gonna be uh, Troy Smith
3: and share screen so you guys know I'm not faking this. Flip a coin. It is heads. Troy heads. Smith moves on.
1: Troy Smith moves on. <laughs> what a way, guys. Could you imagine if this was our in our final four?
2: Oh god, he's getting <laughs> fucking hammered next week or whenever we come back to this.
1: I don't know, man.
2: he's getting hammered on Twitter, I should say. I, I, I don't just... know,
0: because we got Troy Smith liking
2: our tweets so yeah hey troy if you're he listening for please please yeah please uh please get back with us i guys we need i you think to come it's defend time. yourself here i was
1: go- i was gonna say i think it's time to reach out <laughs> oh, all man. right that does it for bracket time
0: i we just eliminated herschel walker what did we do
1: wait I, uh... we eliminated hold on no i'm not letting you get away with downplaying it we eliminated herschel walker on a coin flip <laughs> Because I don't know that
2: either one deserved the Heisman year; they won it. Like,
1: I know that's no, really I, what I, I'm
2: torn I on.
1: Get, I get, I get why. It's just, and wow. and, and
2: most of my wow. most of my leaning towards Herschel Walker, if it seemed that way, was solely based on the fact that he ran away with this on Twitter. Apparently, he, we have different results on Instagram.
1: No, he. Unless I looked at it wrong, I saw that as a tie.
3: The last time I looked at it, I hadn't looked at the
2: final results, Results, honestly.
1: Either way, that will conclude bracket time right now. Ladies and gentlemen, we will get back with you and enjoy these matchups the next time we come to them. The Dolphins won a game. Can you believe it? The Dolphins won their third game, their second in a row. Let's go, boys. Here comes the streak. They're known for doing this out of nowhere every year.
2: They're going to go on a streak and still miss the playoffs on a technicality.
1: 100% 100%, I will will put money, but Miami is known for putting streaks together under Brian Flores for absolutely no reason. They might straight up win out and miss the playoffs. Yeah, that would put us at 10 wins again. Shocking. Right? (laughs)
0: 10-7. Man, what a freaking show this was, got to say. Racket time's getting crazy intense. We need your help so badly. Please vote our Twitter polls at BDT Football. We're going to have Instagram. We're going to do that better next time. So check us out, Instagram, BDT underscore football. Guys, we need your help. <laughs> Please, I, I don't want
1: another coin flip.
3: Can't,
0: can't do ties. But uh, until next time, folks, that's all I have. So kick it over to my co-hosts here. Tug, what do you got for us?
1: I still don't know if I can trust it, man. I I still feel like somehow the NFL is going to come out and say we lost that game. I'm happy Miami won. I know what I'm saying is a complete improbability, but that is how the season has gone for me. I refuse to have hope right now uh and anybody who knows me knows exactly how hard that is for me so before i talk myself into a corner a little bit more i'm gonna pass it over to to our friend here bug for our uh dad joke of the week
2: justin fields is training with brandon marshall down in florida and that really distracted me for a minute why is justin fields in florida
3: You could look at the schedule
2: and probably figure that one out pretty easily.
1: All right. I, that's all you needed to say. Anyway. He's hopping
3: on, he's hopping on a track with Flowrider. Flowrider.
0: <laughs> Glacier Clan's voice.
3: Flowrider.
0: Oh.
2: Anyway. My kid asked me this morning. As we were getting ready to go to uh, to get food, uh, to get some Chinese food. It wasn't uh, it was a fun trip, but he asked me, Dad, can you put my shoes on? I stared at him, I said, No buddy, I can't. I don't think they'll fit
1: me. All right, ladies yeah. and gentlemen, that is all the time we have on the show today. Thank you for listening. And just remember, you can't win a game. you can't win a game.